All right. Well, we're taking a break from the numbers uh, study that we've been doing uh, on Wednesday nights for, I don't know, depends on you guys, two, three weeks, I think. I think three weeks should be the the maximum, but at least two or two or three weeks. Uh, and answering some questions about end of days, but not in terms of end of the world, but end of days in terms of our lives and and a lot of the kinds of decisions that come uh, when you get toward toward the end of life. Uh, I think it's an important thing uh, to to talk about, and as as uh, was kind of presented to me as the elders and said we need to, this is something we need to do there's questions about that let's let's do that uh, it's something that requires uh, planning ahead as well and if you're uh, nowhere near retirement end of day days age don't think well this just has absolutely nothing to do with me a lot of things we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks are really useful in making decisions ahead of time, knowing ahead of time how are you going to handle circumstances, the kind of decisions you're going to make in regards to that. Uh, tonight, as I had mentioned on Sunday, I wanted to spend uh, at least uh, this class talking about uh, the concept of retirement and, and when entering into uh, that, that phase of life. And uh, to think about what the scriptures say about the idea of retirement and uh, when you think about what the American definition of retirement is, how would you describe what that looks like? Moving to Florida and getting an RV. <laughs> <laughs> Moving to Florida and getting an RV. Well, certainly it seems the first half is the whole eastern seaboard does that. And <laughs> uh, getting an RV. That's certainly one definition that you see a lot of people. I mean, plenty of people on my street have this enormous... Looking toasters of of RVs for sure, sure, Jen. Culturally, it seems like if you get to sixty five and you get to stop working, and either other people are taking care of you, but you don't have to work for anything or anybody. Okay. So one idea that goes with it is basically doing nothing, right? Is that I'm going to just do nothing. I don't have to do anything. I'm going to be doing absolutely nothing. Other ideas about American cultural idea of retirement. Travel, okay, right. Going to travel around. Other ideas. Okay, all right. So that—that's the American view of it. That's your view of it. Okay, good. Well, that's a better view of it, right? <laughs> I don't know that our world says, you know, boy, we're we're working all of our days so that we can go help other people when we're. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> we certainly wish, but uh, yeah, that that's that's a certainly a, an important. Uh, uh, of way way of thinking. Any other ideas of that you see people have, Stanford? I'm not speaking of me, of course. Of course. Most men would basically think they go golfing. Sure. All the time. Right. Yeah, go golfing. Do it all the time. Yeah, so that's one of the big ones is the recreations and the hobbies that I've never been able to do. I'm going to finally get to go uh, do that kind of thing. The travel, see the world, uh, that, that kind of thing. Uh, any other ideas uh, that you were taught or know other people have done, or that's just uh, what what you've seen other people do generally? What would you say is the most common thing you see retired people doing? Yeah. Okay. Working or nothing. <laughs> that's probably the two biggest things that happens. I think. Uh, you know, in our age, the younger age, it's like, yeah, I'm going to work really, really hard so I can get to this break point, and then I'm going to see the world, and I'm going to travel, and I'm going to... 
And what usually happens is work or nothing. <laughs> right? It's kind of usually how that plays out. I, I, we were good friends, and they bought this big RV with me I think we drove a trillion times. Parked it out there. I've seen that driving through my subdivision every week. I, there are RVs that I've never seen move. <laughs> they are beautiful. They're huge. House on wheels, basically. And they don't go anywhere. <laughs> oh, perhaps. Well, and the insurance and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff is out- outrageous. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you have to buy your own gas station to have one of those. Yeah, I saw Christian said, yeah, there are RVs and going to work to help the congregation. There are some goodies. Yeah, they're saying, well, that's kind of some of the things we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to move into what should be the Christian perspective of what retirement would look like versus what the American dream of retirement uh, seems to be, I think, are, are probably at odds, Steve. Yes. Yep. So they're doing the American dream then, right? <laughs> Dave? We're wired that way, for sure. channel that is another thing. But, you know, there is just, I guess, at least for some people, there's just always so much sitting around. Oh, okay. Um, Open your Bibles to Luke 12. I'd like for you just to look at this text for a minute. It's a passage you know very well, but I want to uh, look at it with a retirement perspective and see what you think about it. Luke 12. (laughs) One of my favorite um, historical narratives when you envision Jesus in the midst of the crowd and this one brother, ooh, ooh, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. (laughs) Of all the questions that that are recorded that people came up to Jesus in the middle of a crowd and said, that's one of my top favorites. <laughs> Make my brother give me my money. <laughs> you know, that's, so Jesus tells a parable about that. Listen to the description of the parable. Verse 16 of Luke 12. He told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store up my crops. And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. But listen to verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Is that probably the American retirement definition right there? You have stored up. To this level, sit back, relax, eat, drink, be happy, enjoy. And what did God think of that? What was the next line? Yeah, you fool. <laughs> what? That's how you'd made your life trajectory. Was you will work and store and store and store. 
so that you can have this moment in time where you can say, soul, I've done all that I've needed to do. Let's sit back, relax, eat, drink. Let's do absolutely nothing. And it's interesting that we, we, we recognize the, this parable and, and we often focus on the my barns and I'm big, building bigger barns and we can miss what his life goal was to the bigger barns was to be able to sit back and do nothing. He's trying to get to that what we'd probably say in America, that retirement point of relax, eat, drink, do, do nothing. We want, want to just, just relax and do those kinds of things. Um, what do you think are the hazards of this kind of thinking? If we adopt this American retirement idea of uh, we're going to work to 65 and then we're just going to shut it down and we can just eat, drink, relax, chill. Are there any spiritual dangers to this kind of thinking, Dave? Okay. The system is going to work, and it's, it's all going to, you know, you, you have to serve the other day. <coughs> making plans. Probably Casey. What's Casey? Yeah, it's Casey. Making uh, plans and not taking God into account. Yeah. And you know, here's kind of the, the definition of it that everything is going to run the way I want. I'm going to hit this age. I'm right. going to have this much, and that's my security. Yes, that I think is the ultimate problem to the Luke 12 picture is that it's all control in his hands. I am going to work this amount, and once I've hit that point and have stored this much, then I will retire and ease and da-da-da-da-da, and I have full range and control of my life. And that's what the response of God is. That's a foolish way of thinking. Your, your soul's taken today, and you thought you had all of this that you were going to do, you fool. And so you're right. That's, I think, one of the big dangers is... We, we shift dependency away from God to on ourselves. It's going to be my self-reliance, my power, my might, my wealth, my job, my my things that I've planned for. So. Okay, that's certainly a, a, a warning, though that's not in the Bible, uh, but <laughs> just to make that clear. <laughs> Not like you're 25. Okay, yep. Uh, there's still probably some things. Yeah, absolutely. Jim. I think that's a great point. Uh, that that is a, a very big one uh, because there's it's almost this idea of I've done my time, I've paid my dues, therefore I now get to coast. And it's we do that secularly in American retirement. I've done my time, I've paid my dues, and I'm done. Uh, and unfortunately, that does that's a danger as it slips into the spiritual realm. Well, I've done my time in teaching, and I've done my work, and I've done my serving, and I've done my giving, and, and it's time for some other people to do those things, and I just want to sit back and do nothing. Well, that, whoa, 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 I think that's a very good point. Dave. I think the, the, the opposite track is true, though, too, to say, when I'm retired, when that happens and yeah. I have all this time, I will do X, Y, and Z for God. Yeah. 
but that lets me off the hook there now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and we do that with all kinds of things. We do that in a secular realm as well. We can forfeit our families for our jobs now because if I hurry up and kill myself and work 85 hours a week, I can store up all this money and then we can have family time. You know, we do it the exact same way, the danger in both directions. You're exactly right. We can do that with God. Uh, as well as, well, I'll have time for him in the future. I can't do much now. I can't be a deacon now. I can't teach now. I'm too busy. But one day uh, I'll be able to, to, to do that. George. Getting to Charlotte's idea, David uh, really messed up when he had that idle time. Yes. you gotta, you got to stay busy. Think about how often the scriptures warn against idleness. The Proverbs are filled with them. You know, the sloth imagery, one of my favorite pictures. You know, he's so lazy, so slothful, doing nothing. Uh, The New Testament is filled with that idea as well. If you remember 2 Thessalonians 3 and and verse 6, if you see any brother who is walking in idleness, you were supposed to keep away from such a one. And then a few verses later in verse 11, we hear that some among you walk in idleness... Not busy at work, but busy bodies. You're, you're getting involved in all the wrong things because of your idleness rather than spending it uh, in the right thing. So uh, idleness is a big problem. I, I firmly believe one of the reasons God gave roles and work is because it does keep us out of trouble. <laughs> there are things to do uh, because, though not biblical, quite proverbially true, idleness is a sin-laden devil's playground for sure. Frank? Adam, before the fall, was set in the garden to work it. Yeah, even before the fall. Sometimes it's misunderstood and they think the curse was work. Well, no, the curse was making work be really work and be hard, but he was already set to work the ground. Exactly right. That was already uh, given to him. Um, is there anything in the Bible that speaks of um, retiring from God? It was mentioned, you know, well, sometimes we get the idea of just coasting. Do we get any, can you think of any examples, any individual, any person or any teaching that says, you know, you get to hit a certain point and you can go, Revelation 2.10 tells you about that. Okay. <laughs> Not to do that. Sure, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of thing. Even, even when it does talk about death and what comes after, you know, it still seems like we're serving. It, you know, yes. it, it doesn't stop. You, yeah. you serve God, you know, continually. Yeah. Do we remember the Apostle Paul as he, like, writes to Timothy, you know, well, you know, I, I've run the race and I don't have to do anything anymore. And so young Timothy in 3 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, uh, you need to go take over because I have been beaten. I've been shipwrecked and it's your turn to do something. You don't, you don't see the apostles saying it's time for us to, you know, kind of settle it down, shut it down, check out, those kinds of things. That, that doesn't happen. I was going to say 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, I know I'm ready to depart, and I'm writing this yeah. to you, blah, blah, blah. So you, you know, so he was, Peter was certainly still at it. Absolutely. Like the priests weren't supposed to retire. Yeah, so they weren't allowed to be in the tabernacle service anymore in those, those particular aspects, for sure. Uh, think about some of the images that Paul uses of how he describes life. You know, he'll say that he's running what? 
race. It's a, it's a race. Now, can you imagine running a wet race at about, uh, you know, how do you want to define your lifespan and then start at 65 and cut it? So then about, what, seven-tenths of the way through the race, you go, okay, I'm done. <laughs> it's not the vision that, that Paul had of running the race seven-tenths of, of the way. Another way he pictures it is a, a spiritual battle, right? Can you imagine in the midst of a spiritual battle, seven-tenths of the way through the battle, going, well, you know, uh, you guys take over, you know, I've, I've helped us this far, I'll sit back. In fact, you know, one of my favorite guys is Caleb. You know, Caleb, old man at this point, in the days of Joshua. And he says, give me that hard hill country and I'm going to go put a whooping on them. You know, it's a great thing that you have Caleb going on. I, I'm as, as strong as I was 40 years ago when we were supposed to do this the first time. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to take them. So give me that hard land. You know, he doesn't say, is there some place that you guys can clear out for me? <laughs> I can kind of chill here and you guys go take the hard man. Caleb, he's, he's all in. I can't think of any picture and couldn't find any example or any passage that talks about take your ease. You're always warned against. Don't do that. I, I found this statistic alarming. And I think it is a, a danger to consider as Christians. So I pulled up for, it was in the year 2016, so it's not very old. The average amount of television watched per week by age. If you were 12 to 17 years old, on average a week, you watched about 15 and a half hours of television. And I want you to just notice the chart trend. Once you're 18 to 24 years old, that increases to 16 hours and 18 minutes. 25 to 34 years old, it jumps to 23 hours and 26 minutes uh, a week. When you become 35 to 49, that astronomically jumps to 32 hours a week. 50 to 64-year-olds jump hugely again to 44 hours a week. And 65 and over watch over 51 hours of television a week. Interesting trend. And I would say the American retirement trend is let's do nothing <laughs> and increase in idleness. Uh, that is a, a stat. I would have thought it would have been inverted and said, man, the teenagers are watching TV like crazy. Get them off that tube. Seniors, 65 years and older, watch five times as much than teenagers on average a week. That's something. <laughs> and I think, again, that just speaks to a major danger. If you think about 51 hours of television a week and you divide that by seven, it's almost all day. It's seven to eight hours a day on average. Can you imagine, you know, to, to back away from the retirement idea, what would we say about an individual who was... Um, Middle age, college age, 20-year-old, 30-year-old, all that. And we saw that what they did on average every day was they sat and watched eight hours of television a day. What would we think about such an individual on a spiritual level? Lazy. Lazy? Yeah. You're doing nothing? 
waste? I mean, would we not immediately categorize that as the idleness that is being warned about, that you're not using any of your time and talents that, that God has given you? Uh, I, one of the things that concerns me is that there seems to be a cultural acceptance of this. It is expected that you are going to watch reruns of whatever childhood show you had all day long, and that's going to be the sum total of your existence. That's just going to be what you're going to do. The reason why I think that's particularly sad, though, is in my point of view, I think you have the most to offer in the age range of 65 to 85 of any time that you can in your spiritual existence. Why would you think that might be true? And just think about why would that be so valuable at that age bracket instead of just. Massive experience, okay? So you might say, okay, well, in your teens you had a whole lot more time. Yeah, but you didn't know anything. (laughs) You know, you you were young, you were inexperienced, you're still learning life. You you have tons of life experience, God experience, spiritual experience that you have at your, your capabilities, at your fingertips to be able to offer. What else do you have more of that those who are younger than 65 to 85? Time. Now you don't have to work 40, 50, whatever hours a week. You have time and experience that the prior decades don't have. And it's a really sad thing if churches don't recognize that and don't take advantage of those and are putting out, you know, making senior citizens put out the spiritual pasture, if you will. They should be some of the most. Um, active, most dependent upon people you can have because they have the spiritual maturity and experience and they have the time to be able to offer to the Lord that others wouldn't have. I think that's some of the idea when you see about, you know, who are widows indeed, you know, what exactly are they doing, but you're getting these images of serving the congregation, right? You know, washing disciples' feet and all the work, good works that, 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 that they're doing. Jeff? Yes. We even see that the leaders in the Bible, the kings and stuff, they were kings and then they died. Moses yep. led the people and then he died. You don't see this, okay, Moses, you're done. We're going to let Joshua take over. You go, you know, hang out by the tabernacle. You just don't see that concept. And she talked about the, the Levite, the priest retiring, but it didn't say that you get to just chill. It says when they're 50 years old, they retire. That's from their work and they no longer serve, but they assist and they fulfill responsibility. They're just not going to do this thing the young men were doing. Right. You know, it's yeah. not a just you're done. Right. No, they're just no, they weren't going to sit around and watch and old reruns. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when you think about that age bracket then of retirement of sixty five to eighty five One of the things that, you know, again, I'm not there, but just weighs upon my mind being in my 40s. So, you know, we're pushing well into that (laughs) along and thinking closer and closer uh, toward those things. Not only the experience and the time that we would be available, but it's your last preparation time before you stand before God. It's your last time 
to get your life right, to get to know God. I mean, it's like, okay, whatever foolishness that I have done in my youth, I better be all over as every year goes by. It should only get just, you know, obvious that it's getting closer and closer and closer to standing before God. And to me, the, the, the television chart is scary then because that really should be going the opposite direction as we get closer and closer to God rather than it appears to me the idea of I've done my time, I don't need to do anything, I'm just going to take my ease and coast into the promised land and roll right on in there. That, this is your, your, your moment where, where you have been allotted by God Time and experience. Now, I think we would recognize you can't do all the things you used to do, right? (laughs) We certainly understand there's a lot of things physically that you weren't able to do that you aren't able to do any longer. But I think we would all accept and immediately know that that God holds us accountable for what we can't do, right? You're going to be put, whether you're the, getting the, the, the five talents of money, the two talents of money, or the one talent of money, you're, you're accountable for what you have, for what you are able to do. And obviously, so it's not a competition in terms of, well, what's wrong with that 70-year-old? He's doing more than the 65-year-old or something like that. But what can you do? And to really think about this time of the end of life as not a time of, of shutting it down, but a time of this is a great opportunity to do even more than, than ever before. What what else can I do? And, and that's why I say I think this is important for young people and me, middle aged people. Of I don't I think if you don't prepare for that, it'll sneak up on you, and you won't be ready to go out and do the things that, that you can do as a spiritual leader with the experience and the time you have. It'll be very easy to slip into the cultural norm of. You know, well, everybody else is doing stuff and I'll just take my ease and relax and eat, drink and be merry and be like the, the, the rich fool here. I think that's that's exactly right. It, it has been a, a cultural shift, I think. And I, I do believe, uh, at least for knowing America, it's very much part of our American society that this is what you do. You retire as early as possible and do nothing as soon as you can. That's <laughs> kind, of, kind of the whole seeming plan of, of general secular life. And, and we just can't let that to be our way of thinking. Our way of thinking needs to be we're going to be increasing in our service as we're moving along uh, rather than decreasing. I thought, church? In in your experience, people who have lived their whole life without God, finding more knowledge of God when they get older, have have you talked to many of them and are they easier uh, to get through or have they kind of built up even a thicker wall that you can't break through? 
for me, yes and no. Um, I, I see many of them realize the vanity of life of what they wasted their time in. They're the regret of, I spent so much time at work and I don't have my kids and grandkids because of it. I spent so much time in a secular pursuit thinking that that's what was the most valuable thing and have lost family in the process. I've seen that. But I've also can say no because they often are very much, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, Sunday morning class with Ezekiel, Pharaoh. The more time that passes by, the further you are moving from God. You're never stationary with God. And as more time presses by, the more times you are saying no to God that you don't care. Yeah, as you've made that decision for that many decades, uh, it is a very hard thing and it does require a pretty seeking, honest heart that's been hit by God pretty strongly to be willing to reverse all that. I've heard many people say, it's too late for me, I've done too much and can't get to the grace of the gospel. They just look at it as I've said no for so long um, and it's it's not possible. It's kind of like you're saying, you know, um, it's the individual part. I studied with the four people that had responded and, you know, the people that wouldn't respond and vice versa. It's dealing with individual parts and no matter the age, it can be kind of yeah, absolutely. The, the circumstances of age don't necessarily dictate what you're going to get. That's exactly right. Because some people, you know, very much have that Ecclesiastes point of view when they get to the end and go, wow, uh, here it is. You know, you, you, the alarm bells kind of start going off. Whereas when we're younger, the last thing we ever think about is you might die. You know, we just don't think that's going to happen. You know, but it becomes more and more of an awareness to you as each decade rolls by. I mean, Yeah, it does. I mean, that's just a natural thing for all of us. It's one of the the warnings of why we need to train the heart and and be sensitive to the ways of God. Because we do, we we, we groove these habits. And the more we groove these poor spiritual things, the harder it is to to undo them. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Ecclesiastes again in Proverbs. I've got a really good friend. Year ago, or about a year ago, she had a massive stroke. And they're very, I mean, he preaches for years and years, and yeah. very active in the church. And it's amazing how how well they do because he takes care of her night and day because she's very limited in what she can do. Yeah. But without God, where would that be? Yeah. And I see people do that has that happen. You're just dead. You, you don't know what to do, and, and you. That's uh, you got. I think this class is really important. And you look at things and say, "Well, this is happening to me as I grow older." Yeah. Uh, you get less and less ability to do two things that you want to do. Yep. Or, or even you get doubting yourself if you're not careful. Yes. And I can, I can imagine people that stop. If you ever stop, I don't think you ever get back to 
No, I, it's it's hard, right? I mean, it's 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 like the uh, Hebrews six thing when you uh, you've tasted and then you turn away from that 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 impossible to pull someone back. It's very very uh, di- difficult to do that. I, I like how the writer of Hebrews even puts it in chapter four, and you might remember uh, when, when when do you rest from all your works? When you're dead. <laughs> you know, when, when, when are you really done? When have you entered into true rest? At 65, no. Uh, and when, when you've rested from all your labors is what, what the writer of Hebrews even speaks of. Is, you know, that there's no laying it down and, and, and stopping. Um, uh, and that's the perspective I have about what any of these works are. I, I don't, don't see like, oh, well, you know, you, you, you hit a certain age and now I'm going to serve less. I mean... Uh, bad bad news for you. I don't visualize in 20 years me saying, "Well, I'm in my 60s now. I'm retiring." So you know, so yeah, I'm gonna you know go go sail around the world and good good luck to you. I I I don't see that. That's so you're stuck. Uh, but I think that's uh, I've I've seen that that idea, and I, I believe what's called to any of us is again whatever our uh, talent base is whatever we're able to do we're supposed to keep doing that and I understand there can be a point where I physically can't do it, that would be something different but it wouldn't be just because I'm going to say well, I've, I've put in my time with you all and so uh, I want to, you know <laughs> go do secular things, uh, you know strike things off the bucket list we, we have to be very careful that we Think in terms of, okay, now what can I do spiritually? Maybe I can't do this anymore, but I can do this. There are these other things that, that I can do. Jenny? I think it's important that the ones that are younger cultivate those skills now and so that when we're older, we, we are prepared for what those, those end-of-life things that we're having. But we also need to be very cognizant of the fact that there are lots of older people who would like to do more Absolutely. I think what would be so valuable would be a, a greater encouragement from the congregation upon that age bracket that we want you serving, we want you active, we don't perceive you as, you know, slowing it down, but are excited for you to do even more. And I, I think that kind of encouragement would be valuable. And then, and as you're saying, to be able to have people say, here's what I can do, so can we do this together and help do that?
we need to, we need to take advantage of the, the people that that, that 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 says that they are. Absolutely right. Yeah. I, I think one big problem is, is I consider and see what other people are doing is very much I ask at least once a day when I'm in the time my different people but but I think so many Christians live their life where serving God is just part of their life. It's not what their life is about. Yeah. So they go buy a home in the mountains or they go buy an RV as you guys are talking about without any thought to how am I going to continue to serve the local congregation and, and the, the work of this area right you know, that we need to be involved in. How, how, can, they, how can you do that? Yeah. And, and, and with, 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 the, with the idea, well, it's my time in life now to go to go do that. That's what I want to do. Without without really putting, without stopping to think, well, wait a minute, how am I going to do? Yeah. How am I going to serve the Lord like I need to? You know, and, and a lot of people haven't put themselves in positions in congregations where they are useful to the congregation. They don't feel useful. They haven't allowed themselves to be useful. Yeah. So they can just go off and do that. And that's not. I mean, that's not the way. We should we want to end our life yep. not being useful That's right. to the work of the Lord? Even if we haven't ever been before, if you were saying we surely would want to be at the end of our life. Yeah, if any time it would impress upon us the most. Now, I think you make a good point with that. Uh, it's almost perhaps sometimes there's a feels like a vindication, like, well, I'm at a certain age, so I don't have to make kingdom calculations anymore. I can make my own life calculations and rather than well what is good for the kingdom what where can i be helpful to a church what work can i do wherever i would go or wherever i'm staying April. i think one of the best examples i've seen of this is your grandmother oh, who at 40 was widowed and had to raise kids by herself and then retired and you wouldn't know she retired i mean she's what 90 now and can't hardly walk because she, but she's still telling me about the people that she teaches and the, you know the people that she has come stay with her so she can talk to them about the Bible and how many people she's got with and you would never know I don't even think about the secular job she ever had because all I think about when I think about her is the work she's done since she, I, I've only known her since she's been retired but all the things she's done at that point and all the people she's taught it's, it was, she never saw retirement anybody could have and said I have worked I've lost my husband I've had to raise his kids by myself I need to rest she and she told me one time, I feel like I'm still alive because I'm not. If I had just stopped, I don't think I would have stayed with it. It's interesting. I, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily cause and effect, but I do know of a lot of people who seem like they had um, batteries that never stopped in old age because they had just set themselves to doing God's work. It's was uh, you'd always look at them, and I mean, I know like Bernice Boys is a hundred years old and still teaching Lake Elsinore. And it's like this is mind blowing what you what you're doing, and she can hardly do it, but she's going to do it anyway. This, those those are great examples of that, Muriel.
inquired if retirement age came. Uh, he did exactly what he said he would. He, he started serving the Lord full time. Good. I mean, that's, that's, I would hope, a perspective we would all have is, I know I've got to do my uh, work obligation that's been given to me to care for family and care for myself, and I hope that in the future that time would be given back to me so that I can give more to, more to God. I think that's a such an important perspective, Dave. First Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's especially a time into that age bracket where uh, I would hope that we would we'd put before our minds that uh, it'll be our desire to do more uh, and to, to be able to have the, the time available to make those kinds of decisions where we can be helpful to a church or helpful to an area or see a need where that, that kind of need would be and to want to do something about that rather than looking for you know, where am I not needed so that I can just kind of sit in the back row because I've, I've done my time. But now you have an advantage that, you know, the kids are out of the house and you're not required from nine to five and all of that to be able to do so much more and to really take advantage of it. And even if you have uh, whatever strength, whatever eyesight, whatever hearing, whatever mobility and whatever resources you have to use exactly what you have for that and to not allow those things uh, to become a barrier, but, but to work, find ways around that, especially what's great is, is technology today that you can get around a lot of that stuff, which is so great. How much you can be, do for people in phone calls, in, in the, the things that are available for us with technology and being able to reach out and help in those kinds of ways is such a big deal. Um, and uh, it's it, it, it's scary to see these kinds of statistics, and I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who has observed either in friends or family or other congregations or whatever it is, or people that are close to you or or that you know, who you watch them basically spiritually slow down, and, and it's it's disappointing that I, I can think of. Many people that I know that it just basically did turn into, well, I just sit around and watch TV all day and I show up on Sunday and that became the sum existence. And, and, and I think that's easy to fall into because I think our culture tells us that and we see other Christians do that and then we can easily track that way if we don't make decisions now that that's not what we're going to do. That's why I want this first class to be talking about just approaching that retirement age what is going to be the christian vision of what you're going to do with that time when god frees up that time for you now and you have all that experience available what will you do with that what what will you what will you see as your opportunity uh in serving god in working in the kingdom of god and helping Christians and in reaching the lost, what will be the areas that you can really work toward and grow in uh, to be helpful and fruitful in the kingdom, Dave? It also kills his 
now too, because you know, even you know, you might know a little younger than you, but not much. Um, but if my attitude is that you know, American twenty-first century cultural ideal of, of the, oh, I'm going to make it to you know X years, I'm going to have this much money. Yeah, what I'm what I'm going to be doing now is making sure I am spending all my time getting as much as I can as quickly as I can. And I'm not going to have any time for God now. I'm not going to have any time for God later when I get there. Unless I'm, you know, like Mary was talking about. I mean, unfortunately, I think that story is kind of unusual. Yeah. That, that someone would have that. Yeah. That would have that. there with the church is even alone, too. But there, there is a you know, reason that God gives warnings about riches and, yeah. and what we store up here. Yeah. And... You know, I use this as an example, and I'm certainly not including people who've literally, for health reasons, you know, step away from roles that they have. But, you know, I have seen people who are elders, and they hit 65, 70, go, well, I'm 65, 70, so I'm going to not be an elder anymore because I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z. And I've seen preachers, well, I'm a, I'm a preacher, I turned 70 years old, and so I'm going to stop preaching because I want to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm just trying to find where in the Bible I'm going to use to go, okay, on the day of judgment, as I'm getting closer and closer, that's going to fly really well that I shut it down because I wanted to make sure that I saw France, (laughs) you know, or whatever it was, that was this big bucket list thing that we thought we had to do instead of that work. That should be a terribly frightening idea. It it really should be something that we would look at that time and go, now I have more I can give, not I've earned a right to take a step back. That's why I wanted to use Luke 12. That, That phrase, I've stored up, relax, eat, drink, and be merry, is very easy to do. It is so easy to do. And we cannot... Uh, a younger age have a vision of life that looks like that. That what I'm going to do is I'm going to be a Christian now and work hard in the secular world now. And we're going to hit 65. And honey, at 65, we're not going to care about. We're going to quit our jobs. And we're not going to care about churches. And we're just going to go have fun. And they're like, whoa! This should be the time where now your emphasis could be all the greater and all the more uh, intense on. Serving God, treasuring Christ, serving the joy of serving others, helping others come to know Christ, helping them in their pursuit, taking that spiritual experience that you have and share it. That is certainly as was being brought up by some of you. One of the things that we really lack and need is is those who are older, experienced Christians to share that experience and information about life and here's how we raised our kids and here's what I did at work and whether it be good or bad here's what was terrible in my decisions and here's what was great in my decisions and here's what I don't know well that one I, that one didn't work out that way but maybe that was because I didn't share that kind of stuff um, it's almost like we're afraid to admit that we've made horrible mistakes in our lives, and we all have. We've all made terrible decisions, and we all want all of our kids to not make those mistakes, right? Well, think about our spiritual kids, that we don't want them to make those mistakes. Right? I was going to say, we kind of touched on a bit, but a lot of that is us as younger Christians, sometimes we're, we're 
to, I guess, proud to ask yeah. somebody that, that's older. Yeah. We, we, we think about an older Christian, well, okay, we need an elder, so we're going to talk to you. But if you don't want to be an elder, well, then there's no use for it. Right? <laughs> what what, what yeah. it is, we don't ask those questions. And all the time when I was in, in Iowa, when I first started teaching an adult class, I had I was a horrible teacher. I, I couldn't teach the Bible very well, but I was trying my best, right? I had one older gentleman in the class that was a missionary and done all kinds of work in different countries. And it seemed every lesson I had, he had some story that he would tell in the class that went right along with the topic about, oh yeah, this was important when I was over here doing this. It's like those kinds of insights, you know, it's like I, I didn't have, there's no way I could teach the class and get that out. And the point I was trying to make, he had a way to make it happen. Yes, the experience and the knowledge that can be shared. Well, we got to be not proud enough to, to ask. You know, unless right. Sometimes just ask. Oh, do yeah. you have anything you want to? Yeah, <laughs> help me out. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, the 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 technology of the world may change, but life ain't changing. <laughs> Ecclesiastes, it's all the same under the sun. You know, it might be iPhones right now, but. You know, it's all still the same relationships, the same problems, the same choices, the same way you raise your kids, the same way you handle marriages, the same way you walk with God. Those things don't change. All the peripherals do, but it's still all the same thing. Casey? David's illustration works out really well. You don't even have to pick out things you're good at. You might be terrible at something, but can get a whole lot better at it. (laughs) I can't tell you what. You can get better at it. You can get better at serving, better at teaching, better at encouraging. You can improve upon that. You can can do better at all those kinds of things. Frank? Jesus says he wants to save his life. Yeah, save it. Lose your life for him. Why? And retirement is, is probably one of the great traps of that, right? Is this is now where you're trying to get your life back. You know, it's like it's all passed by me because I had to work and responsibilities and now it's my time. Well, that's that rich fool. This is my time, my barns, my money. You're exactly right about that. George. <coughs> work is one of those places where you, you know, you can 
contact with them and grow closer relationships and, and friendships with people who have absolutely no idea about God. And, and uh, some may think they do, but it's, it's, it's very surface level. It gives you an opportunity to, to speak with them sometimes. Yeah. A, a lot of times it's frustrating because it comes to nothing yeah. because they really don't care and, and sometimes the work environment is is a little awkward to get into those kinds of discussions. Yes. So you're a little bit limited. Yeah. But 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 if you just sit at home, you don't have any exposure to anybody. That's right. Yeah. Very hard to be salt when you're on the TV all day. Yeah, no doubt. Every season of life is going to have different pluses and minuses as I'm finding it that's that's the halfway point here, God willing uh, being that way of, you know, when you're single you had opportunities in different arenas and energy like crazy, you know, and could be up till three in the morning doing whatever, and then when you're married with no kids, that's a whole nother different arena and different outreaches of people that you were with and things you could do, and then you have kids and now you're tired at 9pm because of the kids, and, and but you have different spheres and different reaches of people you can get, get reached to because of soccer, little league, and Girl Scouts and school, and you've got those new arenas, and then they go on to being out of the house, and now you're in a newer season, in a new arena yet again. You all always have a, a sphere to work in and to realize your sphere is constantly changing as you as you move along and, and how you can really zero in uh, on that environment that you have now because in another decade it's probably going to be a different season and a different sphere you're going to be be, work, be working with Steve <laughs> I hope we would all just have a Christian perspective of that. It's one of the reasons Andy Cantrell and I, we, 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 we have like this common bond. And, and one of the reasons why is because we talk to her, it's like, if you stop supporting me, I'm going to keep doing this. Even if I was living here, this is what I have to do. I have to teach people. That's what I have to do. This is not a job. This is something that I have to do. And I'm glad you support me in doing that, but I have to do this. It's not one of those things where you go, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go work at Publix. I know I need to be teaching. i got to teach. i got to teach. And if I have to work Publix at 3 in the morning or whatever so I can teach or whatever, that's what I have to do. To see, Like you said, we too often compartmentalize as these are... Uh, responsibilities and jobs rather than this is the Christian life and these other things are a part of the Christian life. Jenny? A little curious about 
kids who know old people too. They do. I move around this congregation, all these old kids, they don't have great grandparents. That's true. A lot of these old people don't have grandkids that live here. Yeah. They need them. Yeah. They need their example. They need to come up. They don't have to treat old people. Yeah. I can't I can tell them how to treat old people. <laughs> but unless you're old person, my son doesn't know how to treat you. Yeah. That's right. That's a good reminder for a lot of people who, because they became Christians, they're alienated from their parents. They need spiritual parents. They need spiritual children. They need spiritual grandparents. That is so true that we forget some of the sacrifices and the costs and the decisions that people have had to make in their physical lives to be able to belong to Christ and how we need to fill those voids for one another and and, and help each other in those uh, arenas. Absolutely, Dave. Part of the problem at any age group, we never fully realize the impact of having other people. I remember when we moved here a couple years ago, if you remember, within a month or two of us moving here, the band was moving. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't know y'all at all, but you could tell there was a full. <coughs> And I think sometimes we don't understand that you know what we are needed, and that there is a, if we do just give up and stop working for the Lord, that there's a hole there that's it's impossible to fill. Not, not that that was their situation, but just saying that you know when talks when God talks about it, when you've got eyes and you've got limbs, and you know we're all members one with another, and every part's necessary, and you know one part drops out, and the whole body's weaker. That's exactly right. So we gotta, we got to remember that. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just useless, yeah. so I don't have to. We're out of time. I see lots of hands. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work the room and let everybody make their comments, and then we'll we'll be ending class. But. I was just going to say, when God put the people in the land of Israel, and these things Forget God. Yeah, so easily we do that. Muriel, did you have something? That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your, your dynamics change, but there's always something. There's always opportunities. Yeah. That's what I'm pretty encouraging of 
taking more of the time as you see less of it coming at you just to be more aware of it. I thought there were other hands, huh? Yeah. Emma? Melding those people together is, is a real difficulty for them. It, is. it seems to me like what Steve was talking about. But getting that those, thing of those different people together and making it a family it is difficult. And it seems to get more difficult as uh, Culture right now is a very private culture. We're yeah. very isolated to our, our homes. Yeah. When we talk about families, uh, you know, without our family here, without Kay and I's family here, we had nobody. And, and you don't realize how important you are to us. How, how, how blessed we are to, to even yeah. To be able to do anything. Yeah. Uh, that's the way it's supposed to be: is to be able to look out for each other, take care of each other. You know, like last year we had a bruising hurricane coming. And it's like, okay, where are we going to help each other? Who needs help? Let's, you know, to, yeah, to have that family mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Jen, Jen. I was just going to say, with Kyle and I first married, um, I was twenty, he's twenty-three, and he got his first preaching job, and we moved. And we literally basically moved into a congregation of our grandparents and great-grandparents' ages. I mean, we were the only couple that was not in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And you do not know what a blessing that was to us. Because those people, you know, Kyle would preach and he'd say, Oh, that was a good job, buddy, but yet next time, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try this? That, you know, but they were very, very encouraging. And we had one little girl, just one little girl, and um, her mother had passed away, and and father was legally blind, and, you know, they threw me in there at 20 to teach, and I didn't know what I was doing, and those older ladies, they, they just encouraged, and they taught me, and you do not know what a blessing those three years were, because I don't know what would have happened to us if we hadn't had a whole congregation of, of caring, loving, older people to guide us and set us on the right path. And y'all don't know what a blessing it is to have, have older people who can help y'all do that. That's, that's very important, for sure. Now, now we're, we're good past time, but uh, if you are retired, I hope you just kind of ask yourself, what can I do in the kingdom? And if you're not retired yet, that you would think about what will you do uh, when that time comes. I'll leave you with Second Timothy 4, 7. I think all of us would want to be able to end our, our final breaths with the words that you see the Apostle Paul ending his final letter that we have recorded. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to, also to all who have loved his appearing. You know, that, that just kind of that confident ending, not decelerating in spirituality, but pushing right on to the very edge and saying, all right, I've done all I can do uh, in my service for God. All right, so uh, next week we will talk about then uh, end of, of days in terms of what, how does the Christian life look like in terms of illness, serious disease, serious illness, how are you supposed to be able to handle that? What do the scriptures say about that? The kinds of decisions that have to be made around those kinds of things. We'll discuss a lot of the things that kind of in talking about 
how do you handle that? What are you going to do with those those kinds of tough decisions that come along, not only for yourself but also uh, for a family? Uh, I appreciate.